If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of, the servant, of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have, have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is God's word. Um, it is uh, a privilege to share um, and uh, today's message uh, concerns as you are probably familiar with this passage uh, about the aspect of repairing relationships, in particular forgiveness, um, as if you just read the title of the Perkby, um, you will recognize. And this may be a very common concept uh, and thing, something that you think about, um, but it's a very relevant concept and topic for everyone uh, of us uh, in our daily lives. And that's particularly because the church um, we can think about the world, but just specifically thinking about the church, uh, this is a house of sinners. And because this is a house of sinners and there is a remnant of sin, uh, the task of repairing relationships is always uh, essential for us to live together. We can't assume that we will always get along. Um, that's actually a mistaken assumption. Because of our sin, we will have problems and friction and conflict. And because of that, uh, this passage is something that we have to consistently remind ourselves of. So I do want to start with a couple of questions uh, to just kind of get you to think uh, practically uh, and uh, try to get you to just react in your mind. If you want to react loud, that's fine too, but um, primarily at least in your mind. Um, so uh, the first scenario I want to draw up for us is that there are two friends. One is interested in a girl, um, 
Perhaps you may know this in real life, I don't know. Um, and the other friend, uh, the friend of the other person uh, who likes the girl, um, finds out. And then uh, the friend uh, asks his friend, uh, because that friend knows the girl better, and asks, hey, can you introduce me to her? Um, I would love to, you know, start talking to her and get to know her. Uh, and uh, eventually he does that. Uh, he approaches and then, you know, some time passes and eventually he starts liking the girl, the friend. Uh, and then before the guy who you started liking the girl first finds out they are dating. Um, if you were that friend who originally liked the girl, how would you react? You can keep that in your mind. Um, and then the other scenario is, let's say uh, you, your parents are close by, uh, and uh, one of them uh, falls ill, uh, and they go to the hospital. You take them to the hospital, and they do a routine checkup, and it's something that um, is very, um, you know, it's, it's an illness, but it's like benign, so they're doing a checkup. And you bring them home, and then for some reason, pain persists. Uh, in for them and then after a while uh, something's worrying you and then you take them back and you find out that they had something like internal bleeding for a couple of days and they become more sick and perhaps they eventually die because of that so because of the checkup process of a malpractice and that event happens how would you react and perhaps if I can add to that what if you went to the same church as that doctor? Um, you can imagine maybe this happens quite a lot. You have a close friend. Uh, they're wonderful when you're around them. Uh, they say such nice things uh, when you're with them. And eventually, after a while, you find out that everybody else has a bad impression about you. And you're wondering why. And word gets around, and you re really figure out that this friend that you uh, really enjoyed hanging out with, when they're not with you, would always say bad stuff about you. How would you react? How would you feel? And uh, perhaps this is something a little more relevant to this country. Um, I'm beginning to learn as I read the, uh, watch the news that it's uh, more frequent. Um, let's say your parents... Um, get scammed, or voice phishing, voice fished? I don't know what the verb is, but, um, and a whole ton of money, 100,000, uh, whatever it is that you can imagine as a whole ton of money, they get scammed. And then you find out that that guy, obviously he'll have to, he'll or she'll have to go to jail if they get caught, but they come to the same church. How would you react? How would you feel? Um, and I want us to, you know, they seem like very drastic examples, but they're actually not out of the realm of impossibility. Um, and uh, the Bible, even to those contexts, calls us to forgive. Uh, but we want to learn today, this, this afternoon, what it actually means for us to forgive as uh, Christians, as followers of Christ? Is it about being just forgetting? Is it about being a pushover? What does it really mean? What does it look like in our lives to forgive uh, the other person in those specific contexts? Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu says, forgiveness is divine. 
And I think that's an important place to start, that this divine ability uh, and accessibleness is only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, that often we may think, I need to forgive, and you try on your own, but we have to remember that forgiveness is divine as we start. And I want to, um, I know I don't have an outline, and I usually don't, um, but the three points that I can help us in terms of just following along is the first is that forgiveness is not an option for us. Uh, and the second point is, what does it mean to forgive and to figure out what that is? And the third point is how we are enabled to forgive after we learn what it is. So this passage that we read, it's a parable. It's a story actually very frightening if you read it carefully and get to the end. At the end of the passage in verse 35, the story ends with a very serious declaration. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's almost threatening us. If you don't, God will do the same as what you see. Uh, and we need to forgive. First, we have to understand, not because, uh, to not forgive is very serious, but to point that it, it, this thing deserves uh, God's judgment if we are not forgiving. That last verse is indicating that it's that serious of a thing, that God will judge that. And we have to understand this properly. Does this mean uh, that if we don't forgive, another person, a brother or sister, that God won't forgive our sins? Uh, the answer is yes and no. Um, and Jesus is saying here, uh, an unforgiving heart leads to eternal punishment. And that's an important verb. It leads to eternal punishment. He's not saying that it causes eternal punishment. So it's reflective of the heart where it already is, and it leads to eternal punishment. But it's not that if you don't forgive that God will cause eternal punishment on you. It's not that kind of a relationship that's being reflected here. We're still saved by grace. That is true. And we don't go to hell because we don't forgive someone after we've accepted Jesus Christ. That, that, that is not true if we uh, understand uh, the whole Bible message uh, in the gospel of Jesus. But forgiveness is one of the fruits of the gospel that is working in us. So if it's not a fruit, then the root is dead. And that's why it's such a threatening, frightening thing. If you have, if you're struggling constantly to forgive in a very bitter sense, it, with everything that needs forgiveness, Perhaps you can draw back a little and really get back to the gospel. Am I really understanding who Jesus is to me? And there's a second reason uh, for this uh, is that, that forgiveness is not an option, is that every single time we don't forgive, it damages the gospel. God has shown us mercy so that we can, in turn, overflow with mercy ourselves. And, and not only do we have no right to stop that overflow of mercy, but when we do stop it, and when we don't forgive other people in our lives who do harm towards us, we are actually spitting on the gospel, if I can put it that way. 
And what I mean by that is, I'm using that, that very drastic picture to say, you're saying that this gospel of Jesus Christ can't resolve this issue in my life. You're saying, yeah, it's nice and all, but it can't be effective here in this issue of forgiveness. That's what it's doing. You're actually damaging the gospel. And it leads us to a third reason in, in terms of why we need to forgive uh, is because it says 77 times. The unforgiving servant, because of his unforgiveness, ends up in jail in verse 34. And this, this helps us understand that when you don't forgive, uh, the reason why we have to forgive is uh, it, it, you yourself become your own prison. You become enslaved to your anger and bitterness. And in this sense, the Bible is teaching us we have to forgive. Yes, there's gospel effectiveness that is at risk uh, and all, that thing, all those things, but we ourselves, in our hearts, it becomes a, a jail for our anger to brew over and over again. And it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ where we are healed in that anger and bitterness. And if we are holding on to that, then we ourselves are in danger of being enslaved to that anger. It becomes our emotional prison in that sense. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So if something bad happens to you, it doesn't mean that you can't react to it in the sense that you recognize its evilness. Ephesians is teaching us, be angry, but don't sin. It's very hard. But that's what it's commanding us. And included in our story today is, be angry, do not sin, and forgive. Again, it's a very difficult thing to do if you think about it. And the question for us is, are you currently or in the past have struggled with bitterness in your heart? And it may not be something huge, but perhaps it's something very nagging that's constant. Or maybe every time you visit the parents, you know, they say something that really bothers you and you react poorly and you're bitter about it. Whatever it may be, are you? struggling with that in your heart. So we need to figure out then what actually is forgiveness. We see the need to forgive, but what is it? And it doesn't mean that we simply just say the words, I forgive you. Uh, it, it does involve that. Hopefully you do say the words in that process. Uh, but what does it really mean? What, what is the content of that? And we look to the king in our parable to glean the wisdom of what it means to forgive. Uh, and we see the first point negatively uh, in the sense that forgiveness is not reconciliation. So forgiveness is not reconciliation. And what I mean by that is that forgiveness is not dependent on that other person's repentance. It's not mutually exclusive. They can go together, but it's not dependent on it. This means that we don't wait for that other person to say sorry. We grant forgiveness regardless. 
Forgiveness is not reconciliation in that sense. Reconciliation is repairing the relationship tangibly between two people. That requires both sides. But forgiveness is, in some sense, one way. We grant it, regardless of where that other person is uh, in terms of their heart. And also, we understand that forgiveness is not dependent on your feelings. It means that you don't wait till you're ready in terms of your feelings. And it's not to say that you can't take some time and settle down. Um, and if you're going to get angrier and angrier in the moment, please do take time. But to understand that it's not dependent on being emotionally ready. The Bible is saying forgive. It's not dependent on that. And the one that is very difficult is that forgiveness is unconditional. We are to forgive 70 times 7. And that, that number means if you reach 70 times 7, it doesn't mean that you stop there. It's just a, a very uh, metaphor for forever. And there is no limit to gospel forgiveness in that sense. And the second thing we can learn about what forgiveness is is that we can't remain superior in mentality or action to the offender. If you are remaining superior in mentality or action, you're actually not forgiving them. Notice verse 27, the king out of pity forgave the servants. Here pity is not just a feeling uh, sorry for them. Uh, it may convey that in English. Uh, but the word here is more close to compassion, to feel compassion for that servant, to have your heart go out for that person. And bitterness and anger uh, lead to an unforgiving heart because you begin to have thoughts like, I would never do that. Why did you do that to me? How could you possibly do something like that? Those comments reflect in our heart a sense of superiority. It's saying, I am better than this person that has offended me or wounded me. And to say in that sense, I forgive you, is to be condescending and saying, I'm forgiving because I'm a better person, not because of the gospel. And the question for us is, in your forgiveness, is that what is reflective? Is it out of sheer, your heart going out for that other person? Or is it because you think you are a better person? And the third thing that we learn about what forgiveness is, is that we have to suffer the debt. Uh, the amount the servant um, the, the unforgiving servants owed the king, we learn here in our parable, is 10,000 talents. And uh, it's often uh, hard to get a sense of money uh, when the Bible portrays money because we don't use that exact money. But one talent was about five to 10,000 denarii. And one denarii was an average day's wages in that time. So you can kind of try to calculate um, so this was not an ordinary debt. It wasn't like you, let, you lent your friend uh, 10,000 won and you get it back the next week or anything like that. It was a huge sum uh, of money. So 
Some say 10,000 talents is equivalent to $10 million or, or 200,000 years of average day wages, um, which, you know, you can kind of get a sense that no one can earn that in their lifetime. Um, but what we understand here, what it's uh, trying to convey is that it's an incredible amount of money. It's so ridiculous that when the people who are listening to this parable heard it, they probably chuckled. They're probably like, yeah, that's impossible. How could you even incur that debt? Like, you have to do something ridiculously stupid to incur that amount of debt. Uh, and the even funnier thing is the servant says, give me some time, I will repay you. And that's even more ridiculous in the story. It's the king probably knows that can't happen. And we understand from that amount being so ridiculous that it didn't just hurt the king's wallet. If some friend borrows 10,000 won and never pays it back, you know, you might think about it for like a week. Maybe, maybe you guys are more forgiving. I'll think about it for a week and it'll bother me a lot, but then eventually I'll, I'll forget, you know, it's just like half a meal even nowadays. Um, but this king forgave this amount of debt, it didn't just bother his wallet. It would have affected his kingdom. It would have been at least a small recession, if not a big one. It would have been that kind of a debt. And this financial loss would have affected his governing power in some sense. And I think this parable is actually very kindly telling us this is like us with God in our sin. We often, you know, love um, talking about being forgiven, and that is true. We should love it. But when we reflect back on the sins that were forgiven, sometimes we forget the magnitude of them. And this parable is very kindly in a story form teaching us you were damaging the kingdom of God itself in your sin. It was that severe, and yet you were forgiven. It is that magnitude that we are learning here. And when the king forgave the debt in verse 27, it wasn't merely, forget about it. I'll take care of it and work something out. And maybe he had a plan laid out. I don't, I'm not sure. We, we're not given that in the story but we know at least that he had to suffer the loss, suffer that debt. He had to suck it up and say, I'll deal with this. Even if it hurts me, my kingdom, I will still forgive you. When I was uh, in high school, I think it was in high school or middle school, um, I love playing soccer even now, even though I'm a bit older. Um, and back then I would go to the local middle school and with my friends um, play soccer on, at the school field, and but we weren't supposed to be there, but we, you know, back then no one cared. Um, so we would go play, um, leave, we would do that very frequently, and uh, one day uh, I um, was feeling good. I was feeling very good in terms of my soccer skills, and I shot the ball, and it was going towards the goal, and it went past the goal, and it kept going towards one of the buildings, and we heard a shatter. And there was a building with a window, and in my mind, I was like, why did it shatter so easily? But um, the window was completely shattered and broken. And 
Back then, uh, what we used to do, <laughs> don't, don't judge me, um, is once things like that happened, you ran. Um, so we all, all of us, uh, all 22 of us who were playing soccer, we ran home. Um, and I think God convicted me a little bit uh, as I was running home, uh, and I turned back. I was like, this is going to bo bother me for a little bit. Um, so I went back to see if anybody wanted to, you know, check if I needed to do something. And I was hoping no one would be there so that I can go home again. Uh, and then I saw the guard person or the, the person who was taking care of the buildings um, looking at the shattered glass. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I talked to him. I said, oh, we were playing soccer and my wonderful shot cracked this window. And um, he, I thought he would say, oh, it's okay, just go home but he said it was this sum of money. And I was like, okay, I'll go get it from my parents. Um, and I had to pay. But I tell you that story is because I had wounded the school in some sense. I had infringed something against it. And either the guard, myself, or the school had to pay if that window is to be repaired. And our relationships are not different in terms of forgiveness. When you forgive someone, and when we say you have to suffer the loss, it means you have to pay. Maybe not financially, but emotionally, physically, in some sense, you are saying, I will suffer this debt. You're supposed to pay it, but I will instead. And that is what, what we are learning in this parable in terms of what the gospel forgiveness is. And sometimes when we say we forgive someone, deep down inside, we want that other person to suffer in some sense. But we are learning here, we can't do that if we know what true forgiveness is. See, when the king forgave uh, this debt of 10,000 talents, he absorbed the cost. He suffered it. And it's the same for us. When we forgive, in whichever way God is calling us, you have to suffer that debt. And again, the question more practically for is, us is, are you ready to do that in your relationships? In your conflicts, if someone has wounded you, hurt you in some way, are you willing to suffer that pain and hurt? Not to put it on that other person, but if you really forgive them, are you willing to absorb it yourself? And I think Desmond Tutu was right, learning what forgiveness is, that forgiveness is divine, that it can only be done by the power of God. And it's very hard to forgive someone, especially when someone harms you, when someone betrays you, you or your loved ones. Our natural inclination is to get back or to silently have them uh, suffer. And if we don't have the courage to do that, we just cut them out from our lives. We say, maybe this will be suffering enough for them. 
But the gospel of Jesus Christ empowers us to forgive in two ways. First, it gives us a community of accountability and encouragement. And that's a very important point. If you go back in our passage uh, in chapter 18 from verse 15 to 20, you'll notice a, a passage that talks about discipline, approaching someone uh, when someone does something wrong to another person. Uh, and it's, this parable is preceded by that. In that chapter, Matthew 18 is actually, uh, in some ways, better known, not for this parable, but the, it's known as the chapter on discipline. And discipline in, in concept is about us being a community really helping each other repair relationships. It's to live together. It's not just punishing. It's actually not that. It's about us repairing relationships within the community. It's giving us and saying that you already have the instruction for that in our church. How are we to approach one another as we forgive one another and repair and build back relationships? And the second reason why Jesus can say that unforgiveness leads to eternal punishment is because to really know the forgiveness of the king leads to a forgiving heart. It's just the flip side. Remember again how 10,000 talents was a ridiculous amount of money, and the gospel says that doesn't even begin to compare. Your debt that you owed the eternal king, 10,000 denarii or talents is nothing. And that is the second point, is that if you realize how much God has forgiven you, if you truly realize in the gospel of Jesus Christ how much God has forgiven you, you have to develop a heart of compassion. The question that should more and more, perhaps not immediately when you believe, but over time and over years, the question, if someone hurts you, should, that should come up is, how can I not forgive when my king has forgiven me? How can I not? When that forgiveness of our eternal king, our God the Father, really melts your hearts over and over again, and you see the magnitude of his forgiveness over your life, when you live and live through incidents where other people wound you and hurt you, it may be a struggle. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy all the time, but your heart will be going towards forgiving them in terms of gospel forgiveness. During the Second World War, and I'm sure you guys know this name, um, there was a person by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. And her family hid Jews from the Nazis uh, in the Second World War, but eventually uh, they were caught um, from, in terms of hiding uh, the Jews uh, away from the Nazis, and they were sent to concentration camps. Uh, and uh, Corrie and her sister, uh, Betsy, ended up in the same uh, camp, but eventually Corey was released uh, when the war was over, but uh, Betsy died in the concentration camp. 
her sister. Uh, she, she died in there. And um, Corey accounts in her book, The Hiding Place, uh, about this account of her going around Europe, telling her testimony and sharing her experience uh, and her uh, faith uh, around Europe. And she uh, tells this story, and I'm going to read for us because her words are far better than what I can say. Um, so a few years after the war, uh, it was at a church service in Munich where I was speaking that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the so-called showered room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. With the other guards, he had often run his hands over naked bodies as they went by and responded callously to requests for help. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen after the war, and suddenly it was all there again. The room, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain-blanched face. And then he came up to me as the church was emptying, uh, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. He said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hands was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to people in Bloomendell about the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity, and so again I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. So I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness anymore that on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on him. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. This story was probably not the first time Corey Ten Boom forgave someone. It may probably be the most difficult time. But you see her telling that through the gospel of grace, the realization through the spirit of the magnitude of how God has forgiven us is what enables us to forgive others, even in those very difficult moments. Even when the pain may be fresh, even when the pain may be large, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, I have forgiven you, so now go and forgive. That is what enables us and empowers us to forgive uh, in those moments. So I hope that for us as a community, 
I know we're very nice, you know, on the surface. We're wonderful people, I'm sure, but we're still sinners. And if we do life long enough, there will be conflict. And in those moments, I hope that we will be a community that remembers the forgiveness of our Lord and says, how can I not forgive this brother and sister? So as we remember that, let me pray for us. This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today.